We are back in the Football Shed, the podcast for fans that live in the wrong time zone. My name is John Hewitt and Jeff King is here. G'day. G'day, Jeff. Uh, are you ready to uh, talk Chelsea today? I am. I've been thoroughly looking forward to this one. As you know, John, um, I have quite a lot of opinions about Chelsea Football Club and I'm, I'm very, very enthused about um, talking to those who know more than me about it. And as soon as we put the schedule together for these specials, this is this had my name right next to it. So I'm really, really looking forward to it. It's great to have you guys on. Yeah, so this is the latest Shed special um, where we talk to fans based uh, in Australia that are Premier League fans. Um, and today we are talking to two fans from the Chelsea Supporters Club here in Melbourne. That is Andy and Dan. Hi, guys. How are you going? Well, thank you. Hi, guys. Thanks for the invitation. Um, no, thanks for coming on. Um, before we get stuck into it all, can you tell us a little bit about the Melbourne Chelsea Supporters Club? Like, do you guys go to the pub to watch games? How do people who are Chelsea fans at home maybe get in contact with you guys? Yeah, certainly no problem at all. Um, yeah, so we have um, our meetings at the Crafty Squire, um, which is a, a pub in the middle of Russell Street uh, in Melbourne. Obviously, if we ever get back to the pub, we hope to hope to see some <laughs> some people there. We've, we've got um, somewhere around about two hundred uh, fans in the in the group um, here, and we get anywhere from you know twenty five to to a couple of hundred fans for a, for a big game down there. So it's um, uh, yeah, quite a quite a big thing sometimes. So it's good. Um, you can find us at. Um, um, Melbourne Chelsea Supporters Club on, on Facebook or, or Instagram uh, or at melbournechelsea.com.au on, uh, on the web. Awesome. I had a quick look at the website today and I noticed that um, you guys play foot golf. Now, Jeff and I played foot golf for Jeff's birthday a couple of years back. It's possibly one of the greatest things ever, but also one of the hardest sports of all time. <laughs> yeah, the, the idea of hitting a small ball with a club. Has got no, it's easy in comparison to trying to hit a big ball in an even larger hole. It's, it's, it's highly well, insane. The thing is, it, it's very pain, but it's so, as soon as you miss the hole by a tiny bit, it just rolls off the green. It rolls yeah. forever. And very never. deflating. Yeah. It's so deflating. <laughs> and, and, the, and the balls have the same water dividing process. You know, they, they find the water. The water can be behind you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and it will hit a tree and go over the top of your head and go to the water. So, yeah, we, we, so we've true. done a few of these now. In fact, um, it, it's it's we've named the competition the, the Terry uh, Cook Club uh, Cup because yep. Terry um, was a member and he passed away uh, last or oh, no last year earlier this year. I'm, I'm losing track of months and stuff. Um, yeah, I, after a long battle with um, cancer and. Um, cancer and he was well loved within the club even though he was only a member for only a few years and it it was seemed a bit sort of a nice thing to do so we get oh, a, awesome. an interesting group God. of people yeah. along i mean they get all yeah all sorts we had paul canneville over a couple of years back and he came and played well he judged i think is more the case <laughs> excellent well we should maybe have a uh football shed versus the uh melbourne chelsea uh, supporters Club game of foot golf sometime. We'll get that all yeah, um, Before we get into uh, talking Chelsea, um, we want to play a game with you so that we can uh, get to know you both as football fans a little bit more. Um, and this game is called Kill Dan or Kill Ban. So basically, we're going to throw a few subjects at you to do with football um, and you can decide whether it's Zidane, it's good, or it's Kill Ban, which is shit. Um <laughs> Jeff, uh, and then Milton Porter came up with the name. Um, so, Jeff, over to you. What are we going to do for the Zidane, Zidane and Kilban this time? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do this one for you guys. So, first of all, VAR. Zidane or Kilban? Uh, 
Uh, look, from my point of view, I think um, the theory is very Zidane. I think it's uh, exactly what the game should need. Unfortunately, the practice hasn't really worked that way so far. Um, you know, it's it's been very hit and miss, and nobody knows what's going to happen with the uh, with the outcome as soon as it goes off uh, off the pitch. So, look, it, it looked promising at the weekend with um, them starting to have a look at the pitch side monitors and things. So, if that continues over the course of the season, then uh, hopefully it's on the right track. But if they keep going the way they were last year, I think they'll lose a lot of fans. Yeah, I, I think I think it's been over-administered as well. You know, if you can make something more complicated, get your wafer and the FA involved. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had a funny feeling that people got involved in who uh, did the administration of Brexit would have been former FA executives. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, in that respect, it's a kill ban. But I think the theory, particularly with some of the decisions, over, you know, you look back at, you know, the historical situations where, you know, balls not going over the line or certain fouls not being picked up on um, that changed the certain clubs or countries, um, World Cups, European, etc. then they had to do something. And it's other sports have taken the technology and it's morphed into something that works. So this is a way off morphing anywhere, but um, baby steps. Mm. I like to think it's still in the morphing process. Yeah. The little plasticine <laughs> character from our childhood. Yeah. <laughs> oh, heart attack. I remember heart attack. <laughs> then the next on the list is uh, the A-League. Zidane or Kilban? Oh, look, I was a, um, a big fan for about the first seven or eight years, but frankly, I've lost interest over the last two or three Um you know, I think the standard of the football has, has gone downhill. I think, you know, cutting players' wages this year, and I understand that nobody's got any money at the moment, but cutting players' wages by, I can't remember what it was the last time I read, 25 or 50%, but a lot anyway, is not exactly going to encourage people to come back. So for me, it's a kill ban, I'm afraid. Yeah, same for me, to be honest. I, I've been to a handful of games. I, I much like Andy, I, I kind of... Yeah, see, when they first started up, it was like, okay, this is the new door, the new beginning, good opportunity. Uh, again, that the administration is an absolute pissing contest of idiots. But yeah. um, I've been to a game in a mate of mine, sort of went, is this kind of Sunday league thing? Without, I mean, I know they're professional players and all that, but it was it was an awful lot of agricultural football. <laughs> I think it's a shame because football fans in Australia are crying out for for something decent to go and watch. And um, unfortunately, they seem to do everything they possibly can to uh, to kill the vibe. But uh, I was a victory member for a number of years, but um, gradually it became harder and harder to enjoy yourself going to watch. So yeah, yeah, I totally agree with you, Andy. I think that there was there was such enthusiasm seven eight years ago. Like, yes, let's do this. We're all behind it. We know there's a big fan base out there. Let's get behind this. And we became members. Jeff and I went to Melbourne City games a lot, and we're like, yeah, let's do it. We'll go every week, and we did. And then we got a bit bored. So you were and the ones. Membership the... <laughs> 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 two and yes. three. Us and three others. <laughs> um, and you just, but you got a bit bored of it, and the standard disappeared, and the quality players left, and you're just a bit like, oh, not yeah. It, so I hope, and I do believe that there's a fan base here for it. Um, there's enough football fans in Australia to get behind it. But I just, yeah, they need to sort it out a bit. Uh, last one on my list, and, and I'm sorry if this sounds a bit cheeky, but um, Zidane or Kilban, Gareth Bale going to Spurs? Ooh. 
Um, um, I'm really hoping it's Kill Van, but he's still a good player. Uh, I think when the British Open's on, it would be okay. Um, <laughs> maybe. Look, he's interesting. Uh, look, he's, he's he's obviously done. He, he, you can't knock the player for being a player because he's he, he's done okay over in Madrid, realistically. And I get, as much as a man doesn't speak or refuse to speak any Spanish, though I have a funny feeling he might start speaking Spanish at these interviews here in England now. But um, <laughs> you know, um but it, yeah, I think Mourinho will put him at, back at left back personally, and you know, like where he was at Southampton, yeah, those years ago. So. I would love to see that. I would love it. (laughs) Um, Let's move on to Chelsea, guys. Um, So there's been a busy summer. Well, a very short summer, but a very busy summer for you guys. You've brought in a lot of new players. Um, Havertz, Werner, Chilwell, Ziyech, Thiago Silva. Um, Andy, I guess I'll go to you first. Um, how exciting is it to have those guys? And is that filled every hole you need to fill? Um, look, I think on paper it's it's very exciting. Um, they've bought young talent. I think they've got them at a half reasonable price. They, I don't think they've paid too much for, for too many of them. Um, has it filled all the holes? Um, not sure yet. I think Thiago Silva is a... Uh, uh, a one to two year proposition to hopefully um, give the guys like Rhys James and Tamori and um, Kurt Zuma um, a bit of um, confidence and a bit of direction because God knows we didn't have any direction defence last year. <laughs> um, you know, and, and I think it's uh, I think it's really a case of you never really know what you're buying. Um, you know, you, you spend a lot of money um, and some of them work and some of them don't. Um, whether they'll turn into Drogba and Balak or, you know, Maratta and Bakayoko, time will tell. Um, but it's promising. Dan, what about yourself? What do you think? Yeah, it's sort of similar vein. I mean, I'm, I'm trying not to echo everything Andy said, but um, holes-wise, the obvious glaring one is the goalkeeper. Um, we've all tried, I think most Chelsea fans have tried to give the guy a, a fair suck of the sabre, as you say, in Australia. But it's, you know, he... He needs, he, he needs either his confidence sorted out and he needs somebody who's going to properly pressure him for that position. Um, and I think this the boy from Rennes that they're looking at that seems to be the longest transaction that we've had for a while, <laughs> um, he, he does look like a sort of player that will go and command and and take command of an area. But I also think, like back, I will echo uh, Andy here, and this, you know, getting someone with the experience that Silva has in the back to, even if it's just teach some of them the darker arts of defending, you know, because we, we've been kind of polite in the defending. I think mm. that's kind of the Genaid. way it's gone recently. Mm. Yeah, and you'd want someone to put someone, not just the ball in Rose, but the player in Rose occasionally. You know, there's mm. just, you know, we've always, and most of the, the top teams have a couple of players that are bloody good at the back but can also know how to nudge a player off the ball or block it you know just those sort of slightly not not nasty nasty is all over but the darker arts um <laughs> my concern is that we've got an awful lot of really fast attacking players and we could be left a little you know it could be like brazil 1970 where we're trying to outscore everybody if they score three we think we're going to score four and <laughs> i 
unless you're Brazil 1970, you're not going to do that, I don't think. But, um, It'd be entertaining yeah, to watch, though. Yeah, it holds <laughs> oh, up, yeah, can yeah. I, I'll jump jump in here. So, um, I I must say, last year I actually did enjoy watching Chelsea play. So, um, look, I, don't, I don't have any predisposed. Um, angst against any club apart from possibly Liverpool but I do my best to kind of have journalistic well, we're integrity. both with you there so don't worry yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but last year I was actually really enthusiastic about the amount of young players that were coming through so seeing players mm. like Mason Mount and Tammy Abraham giving a chance even uh, you know Kurt Zuma playing as many games I know he's not the not the greatest player in the world but I, you know we're seeing this um this kind of new generation of, of Chelsea player that have been coached through your youth academy they they've managed to make it through to the first team and because of you know we can all talk about the reasons with the, the transfer ban and everything else however we were seeing this young exciting uh, you know Pulisic thought was excellent last year this young exciting group of kids come through together at the same time by a manager who had to trust them I actually really I really enjoyed watching that from an English perspective I thoroughly enjoyed it because I thought this is this is great now I understand um, I heard Frank talk last week and said that you know he doesn't want to be an academy club wants to wants to have players come in and add expertise and not just not just coach that expertise so he wanted to put pressure on those players that were playing a lot last year my concern and and I'd love your opinion on it is whether whether there are too many players now putting pressure on those kids so whether they've seen this opportunity ahead of them that has now the door has shut slightly do, do you think that does that resonate or have I misjudged that I think it resonates um I, th- I think the reality is there's a lot of players that have come through in that young demographic so you know I think some will get good game time this year I think Mason Mount and Reese James and Pulisic as you mentioned stepped up really well last year and I think they will be first team regulars for this year um I think the jury's still out on Tammy and Hudson Adoy and Billy Gilmore still very very young and and Tamori we mentioned mentioned before um I think those guys Billy Gilmore are going to be under pressure I think Billy Gilmore's a great player but he's what 17 18 I can't remember but 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 not very old and the reality is when you're at a club like Chelsea you have to be in a position to challenge and those guys are great and I have no doubt that if we played those guys we'd finish top six top seven every year but would we finish top four would we finish top two no, we wouldn't. And and that's not what we're aiming for, I don't think, at Chelsea. You know, Abramovich wants to win stuff. Lampard wants to win stuff. Um, and I believe that if they get the balance right and they put three or four of those into the side and build a, uh, an English spine, if you like, and hang the superstars around them, that'll give us the best opportunity to, to um, have success for the next five years. I'm one of those players that kind of fits into that young bracket that's come through. And for me, he's possibly one of my favourite players in the league that's maybe not fulfilled his potential quite yet is Ruben Loftus-Cheek. I think there's something about him that he's got a way of playing that's not very English. He's got this kind of glide across the ground, but he's still strong. He's quick, but he's clever. Um, And he's just, I really want him to be brilliant. And it's just not quite happened yet. Um, yeah, I, is it going to happen, Dan? Is there any chance of him getting through this year? Uh, well, look, we all we did much the same. We, uh, what he was before he had the injury at the that obscure friendly in the US that we had, he was just, he was looking the, the piece. He was strong. Players were bouncing off of him. You know, they say he was gliding through. 
uh, he's taken everybody on. He's come back, and I don't know whether he's still a little bit favouring the injury, um, a little bit worried about that, whether he can get into the pace of it. I, on Brighton's performance, he was just wasn't there. He, you know, was, he was, it was as if he was playing a different game, you know, like he was so <laughs> off the pace. And it'll be a case of whether he can, uh, where he's, what, what position he's going to play. No one, for the last couple of seasons, it, before his injury, it was like, okay, we want him to play, but where are we going to play him? He's going to play in, just behind the centre forward. Is he going to play in the centre midfield? Where? And there, there, there's plenty of stock already in there. I'd like, I'd personally like to see him succeed, whether it's at Chelsea, I don't know. That's the thing. I mean, it's, it's yeah. a very, very question of sport type answer, but I, I really don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think the problem now is actually between his ears. Um, I, I think, you know, after two or three years of being injured, because he looked a beast under Surrey um, and going away to the World Cup with England was great for him. Got that injury, um, you know, and on top of that, the previous year he'd had a back injury which kept him out for, for two-thirds of the season as well. I think mentally he's going to have to be really tough to now come into the side and mix it with the sort of wingers and the number 10s that Chelsea have got and actually get a get a clear run. Yeah. Do you see this being Barclays last year in a Chelsea shirt? I was really impressed with what he did on, when he came on the other night. Um, if he could, if he could turn up every week like that, I don't think he's got a footballing brain. I think he's incredibly. It's, it's all like there's a gap between there and his feet, but his feet kind of know what happens when there's a spherical object in front of it. Um, <laughs> Uh, but he seemed to be really, it, it was really punchy, really getting going on. on I know everybody is bright and he only had 15 minutes, but that could be, that could be his season. Um, don't know. Again, it's, I, I would be surprised if he's a regular with what we've got there already. I, I think the thing with Barkley is that he's going to be a bit part player. Um, I think he, um, he as, Dan, as Dan said, he's an instinctive player. Um, he gets opportunities. What I've loved about him since he's arrived is his enthusiasm. Um, he hasn't been a starter every week, but he came and he looked weak and out of form, but he really bulked up last summer, worked really hard, um, tried to fit in, um, accepts responsibility too. I mean, he, he, I can't remember which game it was now, but there was a game he stood up to take a penalty, which he missed, um, but he actually <laughs> he, he actually has a go and he'll um, he'll try and accept some responsibility. He doesn't mind having a shot from you know, 20 or 30 yards and, and having a go. So, you know, I'd like to see him succeed. But again, is he is he first 11? I don't think so. Um, let's move on to, uh, I want to move on to Frank and talk about the manager. Um, so Frank Lampard came in last year um, after a year at Derby. And now there's a lot of talk around, did he get the job because there was a transfer ban and they got rid of Sari quickly, et cetera, et cetera. Um, rather than looking back of why he got the job, et cetera, do you think he's got the ability to take these five or six new players, integrate them and make Chelsea into a championship winning side? Can he do that? Um, okay, I guess time will tell. I mean, the, the reality is that, um, you know, I think Frank is far and away the best manager for Chelsea at this time. I think combined with Jody Morris, they have they understand Chelsea. Um, mm-hmm. Jody, as I said before, has trained the kids for five years or, or whatever it was that he was at Chelsea before he went off to Derby, and they know the strengths. Um, yes, he's young and he's inexperienced, but let's be realistic here. We've had Jose, we've had Conte, we've had Sari. 
they were all very experienced managers and none of them lasted more than a couple of years, even when they were winning stuff. Um, experience is not what we want. I, I don't personally, and, and, you know, younger fans and, and you know, the Twitterati sometimes <laughs> think differently. Um, but, the, but the reality is that we don't need somebody that's going to come in for a year or two, collect big cash and piss off. We want someone that actually wants to build a dynasty. Now, whether he gets the opportunity under Roman is anybody's guess. If, if it all, you know, if we lose half a dozen games in a row near the start of the season, he could well be gone at some point. Um, but I'd love to see him get the opportunity to, to stick with it and, and be there in two or three years at least and, and see how he's gone. And then you'll be in a position to actually judge a guy that's only been a coach for a couple of years. Yeah. It's a, it's a big job for someone who has only been a coach for a couple of years. So, um, so I, I do think, I do think you're right. He's, he has what you're looking for right now. Uh, but I, I, I kind of look back to what happened with Roberto Di Matteo. I think that, you know, he understood the club. He, he, was, he wasn't the same stature as Frank Lampard. He won't get a statue outside Sanford Bridge at the end of his career. But, uh, <laughs> and he won a, a major European trophy, didn't he? Um, but yet still he got the boot. Do you think that Frank Lampard has got something in him that Di Matteo didn't that will keep him at the club in order to have the time he needs? Yeah, I think he's got a 10-year relationship with Roman Abramovich that has built over yeah. time. Roman trusts him. Um, he's seen Frank win whatever it was, three or four Premier Leagues and, you know, European Cup and uh, and all the rest of it. And I think he will be given, and look, it won't be, I'm sure it won't be limitless and I'm sure it won't be, um, you know, unending, but, but the reality is I think he will be given more time and more opportunity than others might. There was a... Um... It's a, it's a good answer. There was a, a comment on the uh, Liverpool fan group interview that we did about his in-game tactics. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Have you noticed anything in games that make you... Um, I'm not going to talk only about negatives, but that kind of gives you positivity, anything that's been dynamic or anything that's been a cause for concern? Well, you mentioned it before, and that is that the football last year was a thousand times better than the football under Sarri or under Jose in the last year when he was there or under one of the two years under Conte. Um I think we're going to actually play very differently this year. I think I think what's going to happen this year is that, you know, for, for the last five years, we've had all the ball. Every game is 70% possession. You're trying to break down a team that has got eight players behind the ball. Um, and, and, and it's very hard to do, especially with the forwards we've bought. Now, that's no, not being disrespectful to the forwards we've had there, but they haven't necessarily always been the right player to do it. I think this year we, we will be more inclined to let the opposition have the ball and use the pace of Werner and uh, Hayek and, um, sorry, Zayek um, and Pulisic to hit teams on the break um, and play quicker and faster around the opposition penalty box. And I think we'll see that differently. Now, as I said before, he's been, you know, woefully naive in defence, but a lot of that has come from us pushing and pushing and pushing for goals and having so many players forward. Teams have hit us on the break going the other way and now we've been pulled totally out of shape. I'm hoping that, you know, he, he plays some combination of Kante and either Jorginho and Kovacic as a kind of holding holding midfield in front of the defence to give him a little bit of support and I'm hoping that we can use the, the fast boys on the wings and up front to actually... Um, to hit teams on the break and not get caught, caught out quite so much. Um, you mentioned Kovacic. What do you, what do you, as a, as people who watch him on a regular basis, what's your opinion 
And before, sorry, I'm going to jump in here. Before you say that, the first year Kovacic was in the league, I said on the shed he was the most overrated player in the league. <laughs> and then last year, he changed my mind completely. I was just like, this guy's brilliant. Where's he been? He like, it was, maybe Sauri was the wrong manager for him, but I changed my mind completely on him last year. I think there's two things. I think Sari wanted him to do a thing that wasn't natural to him. He seems to be quite a naturally um, gifted player on the ball. He, he's quite creative with how he moves the ball around him, himself. Uh, his transition play is brilliant and it's snap quick as well, which is what we need. And I, and I would take him over Jorginho in that respect. I think uh, Jorginho slows, sometimes slows the, the game down a little bit. But yeah, you're right. The first season, the amount of uh, Melbourne Chelsea supporters were, that were going, who is this guy? Why? Why Why are we buying him? You know, and then, yeah, it was an absolute, like, the genie came out of the mm. bottle last season. And I think it was really hardly harsh done with the uh, the sending off in the FA Cup final. But, you know, these things happen. But, um, yeah, some of the, the, the play with the ball he's done, it's just been mm. beautiful to watch. You know, it's almost worth watching. If, if, if you're going to do like the player watch thing, you know, player cam, watch him, you know, because like, he can control the yeah. game, the tempo of the game. I reckon. Madrid, you know, he went through the Madrid system. So, he's, you know, they're no mucks, you know. Granted, they got rid of him, but he obviously saw something in him. Um, I want to ask a little bit um, about Roman Abramovich. Um, we mentioned him earlier and obviously he's been the owner of the club for 15 years now. Um, decent amount of time. Um, but there's talk about the stadium development, but that's kind of gone off the wayside and it's not quite working at the moment. Is Roman Abramovich around for the long haul or do you know if he's looking to sell or if there is any progress with the stadium stuff? Yeah, I, th- I think uh, my understanding is that is that he is there for the long haul. I mean, he's been there twenty years now, and, and Chelsea fans have had the the uh, piss taken by other by the fans saying he'll be walking away any time for as long as he's been there. Um, the reality of the situation is nobody's going to spend a billion dollars on a new stadium at a time when you can't get a thousand people through the gate. Um, you know, as, as Tottenham are finding at the moment, it was a great idea two years ago. It's it's probably not right now. Um, so you know, I think that will be on hold. Chelsea are in a, in a unique situation there. Unfortunately, it's going to take a lot to build a new stadium where they are at Stamford Bridge because of constraints by the cemetery behind the ground and, and you know, the other other um, buildings there that can't be knocked down, heritage-listed buildings around the ground. So it makes it <laughs> makes it quite difficult to, to, to do what we need to do and build that stadium. And, look, that's the one thing that Chelsea are missing at the moment. It's, it's the ability to to take the ground from 40,000 to 60,000 people. So it makes it, makes it quite hard. Um but Chelsea's strategy, in terms of Roman's strategy, hasn't changed in the last 10 years. It's, it's to buy lots of players, it's to sell lots of players and to turn them over for a profit. Um, you know, And we get we get bashed all the time for, for the spend that we have. But the reality is Roman is now trying to make sure that we're a sustainable business. And when you look at that over the last five years, Chelsea are as sustainable as any of the, of the other clubs that um, mm. uh, are, are in the top five or six. Um, yeah, sure. Originally, he came in and he spent seven or eight years, you know, really getting us up to the level we needed to be at because we were a long way behind the other teams that wanted to challenge for the for the title. And obviously, there hadn't been much investment for a few years and all the rest of it. I think he's there for the long haul. I mean, how much did you get from Murata? 
Yeah, so, so look, I, I knew this was going to come up, so I had a bit of a <laughs> had a bit of a look at the uh, the, the net spend scenario, Jeff, and uh, some uh, some interesting facts for you here. So I'm ready, I'm look, ready. <laughs> hit, hit me, Andy. So, so I had a look at the last uh, the last six years, and the narrative is that we're big spenders, and somehow you know we buy our trophies and all the rest of it. But over the last six years, we've spent one point one billion on transfers. But we've had 843 million come back to us in sales. So we spent 255 million over six years, roughly 60 million a year. That's pretty we've good. Heard, well, yeah, we've heard the, you know, the, the, obviously you, you might have seen in the press the, the Fox comments about Liverpool aren't in a position to, to spend in the way that other clubs are and all this sort of stuff. The reality is they've spent 200 million more than they've had come in in the same period of time. So, yeah, to the tune of seven or eight million a year is probably right. Um, Everton. Yeah. I do think. Contrast, that chap, yeah. I was, well, go on. Go on, go on Dan, yeah. <laughs> Everton has spent 650 million and had 313 million come back. So they're in the whole to a tune of 90 million more than Chelsea over the last six years. So, you know, you talk about you talk about um, making sure that you're a, you're a sustainable club and, and all the rest of it. I think Roman's got the backing behind it. I don't think he minds putting his hand in his pocket if, if the opportunity is there. And, and I think what he's done here is that he's seen an opportunity in the market right now because we, we were falling behind. We're not, we're not top two. I doubt whether we will be this year again. But I think he's thought, listen, nobody's going to be buying right at the moment. I've got the cash to buy. I can get some of these players for maybe a 25% discount on what I'll be paying again in a year or two's time. So why don't I go for it and why don't I buy, you know, half a dozen players and set the club up for the next five or six years? Can I say, Andy, yeah. I think you're absolutely spot on. And I think that um, not just about the Everton comment, I think you're, that is, you're right. But what, a, what a massive badge of wasted cash down the river that was. Um, we'll come on to United, John, in a minute as well. Yeah. well I, I think that um, also the, the transfer ban has has put you in a unique position with financial fair play. You've actually got a bit of a yeah. buffer with regards to your losses, which means that there, there is no better time if you have the cash to spend it because those who are you you are competing with will not be spending it. They, they've invested heavily. Financial fair play is an issue and they're losing money. So if you've been sitting on pots of transfer incomings and not been able to spend them at times where, you know, times times were great and now everyone's saving saving their money, it's a, it's a brilliant kind of piece of uh, well, I think uh, opportunity. You've got to realise what the market and how the market goes. If these players don't come up every, every season – and I think there's there's a bit. I mean, the financial fair play thing is going to be a bit thrown to the wind because so many clubs are not going to have any turnstile revenue, which is basically what the FFP is kind of loosely based around. Is what their day, you know, game day revenue is a massive part of it. Um, granted, they don't make huge. You know, there's Beckham can sell shirts for a club, and that will outdo most Premier League clubs' uh, gate receipts in a, an entire season, if not a decade. But it's, um, I think that that's, to Andy's point, he's like, seen an opportunity. Oh, did we go in too soon? No, I think we went in at the right time. I mean, Pulisic we bought and um, Sajic we bought, you know, like halfway through the seasons almost. It was, they, were there, they were elsewhere. You know, um, they weren't sort of the summer signings like they were with, uh, with uh, Timo and um, Kia, as they called him on his um, press release. Um, Mm-hmm. Like Toyota, yep. Zuma, and the others. But, um, I'd, I'd, <laughs> now Jack Walker was at, 
Blackburn for a number of years and then bought the bought the title for them and then sold the club. Uh, Fenway have been at Liverpool now for uh, five years or six years or something like that. And Hicks and Gillette, you know, used it as a cash cow. Uh, so there's there's an awful lot of unscrupulous, and let's not get into the Thai backing of Cardiff and Portsmouth and all the other bits and pieces where you get sugar daddies come in or the other you know, great white hope or the you know whatever and they just stuff up the, the the entire club i think i think what dan's trying to say is that you know if you want a sugar daddy only you couldn't hope for a better one than than roman um you know you look around all, all of the all of the ones in the in the country that have come into british football you know he's the one that has stayed had the longevity spent the money um to this point not fuck the club up <laughs> Um, and, and basically, um, you know, it's been a good thing for Chelsea. Well, I think, yeah, if Abramovich was to leave the club, um, he's going to leave it in a better place than where he found it. And that is quite rare in uh, the modern world of owners of football clubs that they come in and then they leave it with less debt and in a stronger position to go on for the future. And owners of clubs, in my head, should be looked uh, as they're a custodian it's not their club but they are custodian of that club it's the fans club and it will go on way beyond when they exist um and they need to be a custodian of it and we've seen it go wrong in the football league and seeing clubs go out of business macclesfield went out of business this week and you're seeing so what actually bramwich has done is set up chelsea to be solid and fine for the foreseeable future which is quite incredible um on the foreseeable future what do you guys hope for this season what is the aim of Chelsea for the 2020-21 season what, where would you be happy with so I, 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 I'm much like Andy I, I can't see us being top two I'd fancy us to do three but who knows I mean there's there's I think Man United flattered to deceive last year but they've still got a way of winning that is annoying if nothing else um so I'd like I'd like us to do top three um, as well. Pick up final again and win it this time would be nice, which seems to be our way. We lose one and then we win one directly after, um, and a decent run in the Champions League. You know, um, get to the knockout stages, preferably quarterfinals, you know, that sort of thing. But again, it will depend on who we, yeah, you know, what the draws are and all the rest of it. So it's like, yeah, it's a. Football, football is the hand, you know, you're in the hands of the gods until you get figure out who you're playing against. Sort of I think um, I think for me it's um, you know third to fifth. Um, I, I think there's a lot of good teams in there. I think you know it could be any one of the traditional top six plus Everton plus Leicester plus you know Wolves. There's nine decent teams this year, and what I hope is that the gap that was I can't remember what it was now, but about thirty points to to Liverpool last year is significantly closer. If we can get within get within ten of the winners this year, I think that will be a be a step in the right direction. I do think the top top five or six will be much closer this year than they have been in the previous couple of years. Um, I think Dan's right. I think we need to win something. Um, it's all very well the kids get into two cup finals and, and losing both of them, um, but but we need to um, you know we need to win um, something and get them in a position where they're actually. Um, uh, understand what winning is about and get that winning mentality into the younger players. And look, I think he's bought the players that will at least give them a better opportunity in those cup competitions. Can I ask, can I ask a question before we move too far off? Um, now, 
we we saw Liverpool win the league last year, right? And we all kind of sat there and and sucked up the 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 kind of the media <laughs> love for Liverpool and how essentially this was the world's league. You know, everyone in the world won the league last year because Liverpool won it, and and isn't that amazing? Now, I feel like Chelsea as a as a club often have to justify themselves. They don't get the same um, the same kind of positive bias from the general public. Now, as Chelsea fan, oh god, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right. As Chelsea fans, first two questions: firstly, does that do your head in? Um, and and secondly, do you think that will ever change? Or do you think that's just that's just the lay of the land? I think it used to do our heads in. <laughs> I, th- I think I think from, from my point of view, it used to. Um, kind of used to it now. I mean, the re- the reality is, you look at. Um, uh, Sky or whichever whichever program you're watching, and it, it's the Scouse Mafia on there every um, every weekend. Um, you know, it's either Man United fans or, or Liverpool, or sorry, Man United ex players or Liverpool ex players. Most weeks, um, Chelsea have a little bit of, um, I suppose, representation in, in Ashley Cole occasionally, and um, you know, Jose was on there for a while when he wasn't Tottenham manager. But but the reality yeah. is that there's not many Chelsea. Um, supporters, if you like, that, that get to speak um, in the press, and you know, I think I think there's a, a skewed bias. It comes, um, I think, from a little bit of the old boys club in in a Man United, Liverpool, Arsenal, um, being the the favourites of, of twenty odd years ago, and we came in and we we kind of bust that open to a degree. Um, and yeah, there's there's not a lot of love. So yes, it does uh, great sometimes. Yeah, I've got a, a it, the justification thing annoys me relentlessly. Um, I like Andy. You kind of get you wear it like a kind of a badge of honour now. And, and other than dealing with complete numpties on social media who don't wouldn't know any historical football references if it ran them <laughs> over, um, I kind of let most things go. <laughs> but it's um, there is a bit where. You, we were kind of looked at in 2003 when Roman came in with his money as sort of the, the nouveau riche, you know, we, we're with the new boys with a bit of money. But there's, I mean, historically we've been in there or thereabouts, you know, we've been top six for pretty much every season other than the, the one when we finished 10th since about the mid-90s, you know, sort of thing. Um, you know, when Hullet took over, we, we, we had a sustained degree of success and then just took that step, step up. So... There was a bit of a cartel of of the Red Devils and Liverpool having it their own way for a while, and, and Arsenal having it their own way for a while. So anybody who comes in and upsets that apple cart is going to cop it. The media wise, I don't I don't listen to a lot of the idiots on the TV. Um, I think Simon Foster made my brain explode too much doing the Australian version of it, um, and I just, and I just gave up after that. And if I hear Jim Beglin's voice on the commentary. I heard the music straight away. Um, so, and I, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Yeah, you know, we're doing one now, and those guys invariably are at, seem, to, and they're the printed media seem to have a little bit of a less, least uh, sort of more balanced bias, mm. if that's if that's such a thing. Um, but yeah, I go. I, the thing that, sh- that irritates me is with the COVID stuff. Roman and Chelsea have actually opened the doors to the National Health Service workers at the hotel, the club. They've not furloughed any of the 
ground staff. They've done massive amount, uh, and also the, chari- the charitable work with um, anti-Semitism, etc., 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 which doesn't get reported. Well, it doesn't they, they'll go for the if it bleeds, it leads lead, as opposed to this is what Chelsea done in the community, and even to the to the likes of how the players behave. You know, no one mentions Ryan Giggs' dalliance with his brother's missus. Was quite happy to mention John Terry. Dating an ex, yeah, having a fling with alleged fling with uh, a teammate's ex girlfriend. You know, it's it just becomes a bit boring after a while. You know, like you go, you know, you're going to get the beat up. Yeah, and they're quite happy to keep going with it oh, on well. that. Um, yeah, I, you, you're right. There is a kind of a bit of a media bias, and um, like we on the shed, we give Chelsea a hard time. And we do. And we when you guys said yes to come on, we're like, yes, thank you. Because we do give you a bit of a hard time. But then maybe it is, there's a, it's almost like, you know, there's the like kid at school or the guy in your football team that you always give slightly a hard time, partly because he's the best at football or he's really good looking or he always gets to go out with the girl that you want to go out with or whatever. And Chelsea's kind of a bit like that. I think the rest of the world's going, oh, why don't we get the rich owner? And why didn't we win things? And why don't we get all those? And so I think it's kind of a lot of the football going, we don't like this new thing. So it's a little bit of turning around and poking the fun at it. Um, I just want to say a couple of quick other things. Um, We'll move on to our last questions. Dan, you mentioned old football. In my head, Chelsea will forever be wearing a cause shirt with Mark Steen up front and Gavin Peacock playing just behind. (laughs) (laughs) For me, that's Chelsea. We we bought a few players that couldn't hit hit an elephant's arse with a banjo. Um, And and Steen, bless him. He's he's, about three foot tall. I think he's now a garden gnome. Yeah, he's a he's a known at Bunnings now, I think. Um, but yeah, it, look, the it, old school Chelsea. That's the thing. It's sort of like we were the first team to be invited. We, we were invited to the, participate in the European Cup the first year they did it in 1955, and the FA FA told us we couldn't do it. And granted, we probably wouldn't have beat Di Di Stefano's um, you know Madrid, but it's you kind of go. There's history there. There's a lot of old stuff there, and. There is a bit of the uh, the lad the, the King's Road thing is kind of I think people get their noses knocked out you know the glamour West End London mm. thing Raquel Welsh came to one of the games you know Dicky Attenborough is the you know is, is the, you know chairman and whatnot so we've got the celebrity parlances of the glitzy London boys um, which I, I think hasn't helped um, sometimes the cause but. Um, yeah, you know, it, it just you kind of just get on and play the game. Yeah. You know, I think the fact that we've got out and what and you know that people have gone sort of yeah. You know, if you're so flash, go win things. Now we have. <laughs> it's kind of put a few people yeah. back on their arse, you know, sort of thing. I mean, they're, they're, what's it? What's Tato say? Haters are going to uh, hate. I'm very grateful for the fact that you come on the on the podcast because John's right. We do give Chelsea a kick in, and I'm I'm incredibly grateful that you you put yourself up for it. But as as I think John says, it's you know it's, it's done in the spirit of things. And if you listen to enough, um, if you listen to us for enough years, we change our opinions all the time. <laughs> I think that was I think that was noticeable That's last year too. You know when they did when they didn't have the opportunity to spend any money, and they did bring the kids through. Lampard got a lot more. Um, uh, favourable press, a lot more love. Yeah, mm. last year. Mm. Um, now that won't last this year because we've gone out and spent some money. So that will put a few noses out of joint. But you know, we'll see how the year pans out. Yeah. <laughs> 
I think some of the media didn't actually know how to, how to write a positive story <laughs> last year. They were kind of, oh, shit, I actually like this lot. What do I do? It's very true. Oh, I've got to write something nice. Dad, I felt the uh, same. I felt the same, oh, mate. I'll figure something out. <laughs> <laughs> it was nice seeing some of them squirm. I mean, obviously, the Carragers and whatnot um, of the world are never going to say anything nice about no, anybody. True, so. it's true. Um, let's move on to our final three questions. So this is our final three that are just kind of one-word answers. So we'll go Andy first, then Dan, um, and just to get your opinions on these. What will Chelsea's final league position be, Andy? Fourth. Fourth, Dan. Third. Ooh, Dan's a bit more positive. Um, picking, <laughs> picking one player from the squad. Who should uh, anyone in the world, whether a Chelsea fan or anything else, who should they watch out for this year out of the Chelsea squad, Andy? Oh, so many, but I think Timo Werner um, is uh, coming with big name, big price tag, and we're desperate for a forward that can bang in twenty five goals a year. Um, so I'd love to see him to be the be the one to do it. Jeff, in our predictions, has put Timo Werner as a top scorer in the Premier League this year. Um, I think he's going to be wrong. Uh, <laughs> um, Dan, what about you? What player to watch? Pulisic again. Yeah. He was just so, you know, like he, he was so amazing last year. Like the 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 pace and the touch in the even in the FA Cup final. I reckon when he busted his hamstring on that run. If that had, you know, that that was going to be a goal, that um, yeah. until he, you know, he, the sniper at Rosette took him out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd say um, Pulisic. And- he's just it, there's some there's something really intriguing, and I think the US thing will be huge for him. Yeah, no, I think it's spot on. Um, and last question, Andy, who do you think will win the Euros next summer? England, of course. So- we always yes. <laughs> we always go in thinking we're going to win. <laughs> <laughs> Still waiting. And Dan? I'm, I'm going to go for a rank outsider, Scotland. <laughs> I know they're not in it. <laughs> they might be. They're not out uh, yet. <laughs> yeah, they've still got a qualifying um, round they can get through. So. Oh, they, I thought they were actually done. <laughs> the traditional haggis throwing contest. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know. Germany? Um, nice. I, I really haven't paid that much attention to international football. Um no, no. Uh, if in doubt, the Germans. The Germans are definitely win. Yeah. Well, you know, Timo Werner. Same bet. Yeah, Werner, have it. Andy and Dan, thank you so much for joining us on the shed today. Um, just quickly before we go, if guys listening want to get in contact with you, um, where is it that they need to find you again? What's the Facebook page? Yeah, so Facebook page, just search up uh, Melbourne Chelsea Supporters Club. Um, website is melbournechelsea.com.au. Um, but yeah, it's not hard to find us. And uh, once the season kicks off and the people are back in the pubs, you'll find us at the pub um, most weeks when uh, there's a game and it's half sensible time. Half sensible <laughs> being any, anything before about three o'clock in the morning, usually. Yeah, awesome. I can't guarantee we'll be half sensible. But we'll, <laughs> we'll give it a crack. Um, but yeah, thanks so much, guys. And thanks for listening, everyone at home. Um, as always, if you want to get in contact or ask us questions, just head to footballshed.com. Um, or search Football Shed on Facebook, or you can email us at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. And we'll be back soon with another Shed special. Thanks, guys. See ya. <laughs>